0: Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show.
1: And greetings,
2: happy Monday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I am Steve Day. he's Todd Erzin, and he is Aaron McIntyre. Short week, of course, with the Thanksgiving holiday. We will be here nevertheless for the next few days, and then uh, we will bid adieu, as many of you will, and then uh, we'll see you again on Monday. We will try to pack in as much this week as we possibly can. I wanted to mention this right off the top from one of our listeners, Chris Peel. He says, uh, recently received... Uh, the uh, autographed copy of your Why Thanksgiving and I read it aloud uh, to the youth and kids at our church during our Thanksgiving dinner party with the kids and their families. Everyone thoroughly enjoyed it and a few were even educated. I had one ad- one adult admit to me they were totally unaware of the pilgrims' de- true desire to leave for a new home being because they were persecuted for their faith in God. Thank you for this great educational book of the true history of Thanksgiving. Again, that's from Chris and Chris, thank you. I mean, that's why we wrote it. Uh, trying to recover America's Christian heritage. It's the first in a trilogy. Book two comes out in the spring. Why Easter? You'll hear more about that after the calendar. calendar turns to 2024. But there's still some time, probably too late to get it before the holiday. But if you, we still have a few copies left of the uh, autographed copies of Why Thanksgiving. Uh, yours are being shipped right now. Should be receiving them if you've already ordered here any day now. Thank you to all of you who have. And uh, if you want to get an autographed copy of Why Thanksgiving with the holiday upon us, just go to whythanksgiving.com. That's whythanksgiving.com. And thank you again to Chris. All right, coming up on the show today, uh, Bob Vanderplotz will join us at the bottom of the hour. We'll get to his thoughts on the Thanksgiving Family Forum that was held here in Iowa on Friday. A ton of media was there, uh, including yours truly, uh, and uh, as was Nikki Haley, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, and Ron DeSantis. And now everybody kind of just sits back and uh, and waits to see if, if, if and when uh, Bob chooses to make an endorsement because he's got a pretty good track record where that's concerned, in the caucus is going back about 15 years now. So we'll talk to him about that and uh, what he thought uh, of the candidates and, uh, and how they – uh, were able to present themselves to what could very well be the largest gathering left between now and uh, caucus season of uh, of voters uh, here in the state of Iowa. What are we, about uh, 50 days away? Something like yep. that? Yeah. All right. So uh, we'll talk to Bob about that next hour. It'll be your opportunity to ask me anything. We have good questions this week, Todd. We do, and quite a few of them, yeah. All right, looking forward to that. And, of course, I've not seen any of them, so uh, I'm looking forward to being blindsided by those in the next hour of the show. But let us begin, as we always do, with Aaron's rundown of what happened while
3: we were away. What happened while we were away, brought to you by Viva La Libtard. The country of Argentina has a new president, and that's Javier Millet. Millet rose to fame in Argentina and amongst the very online right-wing in America due to his incredibly brash rhetoric against socialism and leftists in his country. We're being told Millet is a pro-America, pro-life, pro-capitalism, anti-China, anti-woke, and anti-socialist libertarian whose goal is to slash great swaths of Argentina's bureaucracy. Millet was a lead economist for multiple organizations and businesses in Argentina, prior to his rise in politics. We'll see if he goes Giorgio Maloney in Italy and ends up being an actual lib, or if he does the full Nayib Bukele in El Salvador and transforms his country for the better. Back at home, House Republicans will finally make public most of the security footage captured on Capitol Hill on January 6th of 2021. Speaker Mike Johnson announced on Friday that 40,000 of the 44,000 hours of video from Capitol Hill taken on January 6th will be posted online in a rolling basis. The release of those troves of additional CCTV footage is expected to continue to paint a different picture of what happened on January 6th than what the media has reported to this point. On the campaign trail, Donald Trump got the endorsement of Texas Governor Greg Abbott and rallied in Iowa where he shared his sexual kink preferences.
0: He was with four hookers. You think that was good that night to go up and tell my wife, it's not true, darling, I love you very much. It's not true actually that one she didn't believe because she said he's a germaphobe he's not into that you know he's not into golden showers as they say they call that he's not I don't like that idea.
3: Learning Chinese today, today's phrase is the party of family values. (inaudible) Elsewhere on the campaign trail, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has now reportedly visited 98 of Iowa's 99 counties. During the Family Leaders Thanksgiving Family Forum, DeSantis laid out
0: the definitive case why he should get the Republican nomination. Why is this your time? Why is this the time is now? Because you're going to have to make that close by January 15th. Well, we're a republic. It's not about waiting your turn. You have a right
4: as a citizen to put your name out there and to fight for the country that you believe in. And we have uh, a situation in our country where we are in jeopardy of turning over to the next generation of Americans, an America less prosperous and less free than the America we inherited. And if that's the case, we'll be the first generation of Americans in the entire history of our country to do that. My wife and I have a six, five and three year old at home. Uh, We're not just gonna sit idly by and watch the managed decline of this country. If we have the ability to offer ourselves as the leader to be able to get things done, we will do that. You compare uh, Donald Trump uh, with with me. I delivered on 100% of my promises as governor of Florida. There wasn't a single thing I didn't deliver on. We delivered on right to life. We delivered on Second Amendment. We delivered on school choice. We delivered on getting rid of CRT and transgender ideology. We banned the surgery, transgender surgeries for minors in the state of Florida. We have a crime rate at a 50-year low because we've done things like authorize the death penalty for pedophiles. So on issue after issue, I have delivered on these principles. In a way, quite frankly, if you look at Donald Trump's uh, campaign in 16 and then compare his rhetoric now He's campaigning on the things he promised to do in 2016 and didn't deliver. He said he would build a wall and have Mexico pay for it. That did not happen. We would not have 8 million people that Biden would have been able to let in if we had a wall that had been built. He said he was going to drain the swamp. The swamp is worse than ever. We have weaponized federal agencies, and they are running amok. Uh, He said he was going to eliminate the national debt, uh, starting with COVID in particular. We have the worst fiscal situation. This country's happened 7.8 trillion um, on his watch. So I think we need somebody that's going to fight. And I think Donald Trump was somebody that came and said he'd fight for us. But we also need somebody that's going to win somebody's going to win for you and win for your family
3: back to international news Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is reportedly trying to quell an uprising from members of his government over his concession to send about two trucks of fuel per day into Gaza before securing the release of hundreds of hostages still held by Hamas Netanyahu argues sending fuel to Gaza will stop the area's sewers from collapsing and furthering humanitarian crises some within Netanyahu's government argue that giving anything to Gaza before securing the release of hostages is is a mistake. The Israeli Defense Force has released a number of pictures and videos from within Gaza purportedly showing entrances to the tunnels Hamas uses to elude the IDF and plan their next attacks. Some of those tunnels according to the IDF are indeed underneath hospitals so there's that. Back at home just another example of how far gone some universities are at the University of Michigan. Pro Hamas orcs attempted to storm the administration building on campus late last week which houses high ranking school officials including the school's president. I could show you three videos like this pretty much every single day now. Headline on CNN, this rabbi says the fundamental threat in Israel is not Hamas. For those of you listening, this uh, rabbi has the hair of a woman and the goatee of a man. Apple and Disney are among a bevy of major companies to announce they'll no longer be advertising on Elon Musk's ex, after Musk pointed out last week that at least one anti anti semitism media campaign perpetuated the myth that all anti-Semitism comes from white people. The media then painted Musk's comments as perpetuating an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory. We're doing fine here. And finally, this from the Babylon Bee. Government warns that with Elon owning a social media platform, they'll only control 97% of the media. And that's what happened while we were away.
2: All right, Aaron's Montage, brought to you by our friends over at Birch Gold. We're up against uh, more government debasement schemes, more printing of money, more uh, government spending. Uh, more devaluation of the dollar. Uh, Make sure that you are protected uh, and uh, and diversify into gold, which has stood the test of time, literally, for eons, as a hedge against government debasement schemes, regardless of the form of government. All right, Birch Gold can help you there. They can help you open a gold IRA, and for every $10,000 you spend with them, by December the 22nd, Birch Gold will send you a free gold bar. So just text Steve to 989-898 to claim eligibility before Black Friday. To take advantage of this, you have to take advantage. You have to make sure you're eligible by Black Friday, all right? Birch Gold can help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a gold IRA for no money out of pocket and you'll still get the free gold bars, all right? For every 10,000 you invest by December the 22nd, free gold bar. But you've got to register by Black Friday. So don't let the savings pass you by. Text Steve to 989-898 to get your free info kit on gold. Text Steve to 989-898. Coming up in the overtime today, Jeffrey Tucker at the Brownstone Institute wrote something recently that uh, I thought was uh, fascinating. Uh, Has a code red essentially been issued uh, within so-called conservative media? Uh, we'll discuss his theory and uh, or hypothesis and like we did with me last week we'll determine whether there's enough evidence to to bump this up to theory or not in the overtime today for blaze tv subscribers blaze tv.com/dace is where you can go to become one today and you can also subscribe at the same time to the brand new blaze news completely separate from big separated now from big tech censorship blaze tv.com/dace all right to the overtime um A couple of things from the top two things, top two items, Aaron, that you highlighted on the election in Argentina. Hard not to like this guy. Um, Okay. But man, we went through this last year with the prime minister of Italy and she was pretty glib and a smoke show. And remember how excited we were? Was it, is it Maloney? 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 Yeah. Okay. Uh, How excited we were about her, right? Yeah, I mean, she had several clips that went viral. It was it, it it seemed like she was exactly the kind of leader the West has needed. Have you heard much from her since she got elected?
1: Well, when we do, it's Is that kind when she's, of she's pipping Ukraine, in Pope Francis territory of yeah. confusion and needing more explanations. African
3: illegals, you know, taking over entire islands.
1: Yeah, it's it. it, it cool. The reason why
2: our industry isn't promoting her anymore is because she's a colossal disappointment. There's just no other way to spin it. She's a, she's been a colossal disappointment. So I don't like being disappointed. I don't not a fan of it at all. Whenever you give me the good news or bad news, I always say, give me the bad news first. Whenever I ask people for an estimate on something, I always ask for the worst case scenario. I mean, go to the absolute worst possible outcome. And then, because you know me, I like to declare a win in every situation. So once we de- once we get to the worst possible outcome on the table, once that's out there, then it's really easy for me. If, as long as we come in even a, a skosh above that, I'm feeling good. We got a W. I mean, life's about setting the proper level of expectations. Okay? So I don't like being disappointed. I like worst case scenarios. When I work for people, I, and, they, and they want me to analyze situations for them, I always give them worst-case scenarios. I always start with the worst. I, I would just rather know how bad it could get. And then when it gets just a normal bad, it doesn't feel like it's that bad. And cooler head, you know, you keep your head about you. You know, it's, it's, like, the, it's like Heath Ledger's Joker said. Everybody's okay as long as there's a plan, right? So if I know, if I can plan for what is the worst outcome than anything happening that, is, that could be just absolutely dreadful. But as long as it's a little less dreadful than what I was anticipating, I can keep my wits about me and figure a way out of the situation. That's just the way I like to roll. I know a lot of you want you know the positive. Not I, said the fly. All right? So I'm going to do this. I'm just going to wait and see how he governs. I'm going to do that whole by their fruit you will know them kind of thing. Now, when I pointed this out on, on Twitter earlier this morning, a woman made a very good point that it's still good that the people of Argentina responded the way that they did. And I think that's valid, but, but, did they respond that way because they said, this guy will deliver us, we can vote for him and then go back Into the comfort spider holes that allowed our country to become communist on our watch in the first place. As opposed to taking citizenship seriously. Because if this guy is who you hope he is. Then he is going to need. Constant levels of engagement. At.
1: Regional and local levels. Because. All those departments he said he's going to get rid of? Yeah. I mean... You good? Can you...
2: (laughs) Right now in Davos, they're like, well, next virus is from Argentina. Okay? I mean, literally. That's literally what's going on right now. Okay? So you can't just say, all right, and this this is what made Brexit so tempting. I can lobby a protest vote and then i'm good i can go right back to the pub right back to the soccer match you see what i'm saying of course. Right, right right back to you know my language man yeah yeah i can go right back to what it was that allowed a, the, a country that voted for margaret thatcher for a decade to become you know a, uh, a, a, a essentially little mecca i can go right back to that because I, I, I lobbied my protest, you're right, this thing is not tenable. I went and I voted accordingly, and you guys just kind of take it from there. That's never how this is going to work. Vigilance is the price of liberty. And so let, let, let's see. Let, let's see what the fruit looks like. Let's see if how he governs. Because we did all this for the hottie from Italy, and she has been a dramatic disappointment.
3: Unless you think we're being completely devoid of hope. No, that's not what the message here. I mentioned President Nayib Bukele in El Salvador. Nobody celebrated him when he rose to prominence that I remember, not in right-wing media. But you see what he's done. He's completely humiliated the criminal underworld of El Salvador. Their murder rate has basically dropped, I think, by over 100, over uh, 50%. It's crazy what he's done. So... There is a path there. There is an example of actually winning and doing something good and positive. So mm-hmm. just got to wait and see.
2: On the release of the January 6th footage, I have I have two thoughts on this. Number one, um, Speaker Mike Johnson should get a lot of credit for this, so we will give it to him now. There is a part of me that thinks, well, after he decided to completely cave on, on on the budget and give Democrats everything they wanted. This is kind of his makeup to us is to release all this footage. And even if that's the case, I'll give him credit for this. At least he demonstrates that, that, that a makeup was required. So, you know, I just wrote a piece for the blaze this week. Which was written before he made this decision, written and published before he made this decision, saying that essentially, when it comes to the budget, he's just what we got from John Boehner and Paul Ryan, and that was true. It is, and it remains true. But John Boehner and Paul Ryan would not have done this. Like they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have felt like they had to g- give something back to the base. They would have, you know, uh, just just keep screwing the base and and carry on basically i mean they'd look for new ways to screw the base so that is some form of a paradigm shift that i do think we should acknowledge fair
1: yeah i'd still like more details like i said if the, the budget on the budget specifically look at there's a lot of hack republicans and it may have been impossible we i'd still like to know name names why i mean what thinking if they if they screwed you if they said we're no there's no way we're letting this happen mike you think they're not going to keep being those people down the road it's just time to expose the whole rot so that's my only thing i'd still like more of on the budget specifically but other than that yeah we would have never gotten this from those two so i i that mean, man, we're looking for scraps, so okay. <laughs> yeah,
2: no. I think um, it's I think it's you know, more the, than scraps. Okay. I don't think it completely is cancels out screwing us on the no, budget. Yeah, this but getting I, but this is, I do is think not it, a scrap, okay, but we okay. are starving. Yeah. This is yeah. it's somewhere my, be, it's somewhere between a placation and a solid
1: meal oh, somewhere. It's standalone. Yeah. It's it's more it's huge to okay. get all it's our right to have this footage. That's true. I'm not too. saying that's scrap. I'm just saying The way we contextualize. Oh, because of how low our expectations are. Yeah. Gotcha.
2: Gotcha. Yeah.
3: The operative phrase in this story, in my mind, not to be, again, completely just uh, devoid of any optimism here, it's going to be released on a quote, rolling basis. So there's still room. There's still room to be screwed here.
2: Yeah. Does he follow through all the way to the end? So this is thought number two that I have. If you have followed me on social media this weekend, and unlike COVID, where we were perhaps, we were at least in the first wave of people that went in to push back on that narrative. That's not the case with January 6th, but we were probably in the second wave and giving people like Julie Kelly and others early on a platform to, to, to air some of the uh, the counter investigating that they were doing to the official state narrative from the, the regime. All right. I have been very limited in what I have said about a lot of the footage that is out there right now. And here is why. Tomorrow, Steve Baker is going to be on our show. And for lack of a better description, we we basically hired Steve Baker at the Blaze to be our Julie Kelly. He is our he's a Blaze contributor. And and this issue is his specialty, And he's done phenomenal yeoman's work on this issue on his own. Okay, and is is pouring through the footage and uh, he poured through some footage recently that pointed out two of the uh, the star witnesses from the Capitol Police likely perjured themselves, which would at least question some of the narrative uh, related to Oath Keepers. I know that Steve had a conversation with Governor Ron DeSantis about that this weekend. And as a result, Governor DeSantis has uh, referred Steve to the attorney general of Florida. I think they're meeting next week after Thanksgiving, because Florida, I think, has more defendants than any other state involved in January 6th. There there is. I, I, I just let me put it this way. I don't trust certain elements in our industry slash movement. To completely go the other way. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I, I just want to know what the truth is. What I think the truth is, is the vast, is, is 99% of the people that went, to, went there on January 6th did so because they supported the president and believed that something was wrong with this election and the way that it went down and wanted their voices heard. And then they went home. And then a very small percentage of people did not go home. And some went there with ideas of of doing more than just having their voices heard. And then there was an, if there was a government element there anticipating this and maybe even hoping for it, that wanted to instigate it all the more to blow it up for political purposes, which I think we're gonna find, which we are increasingly finding is, is, was the case. But that doesn't mean there was nobody there that did bad stuff either. And my fear in what I have seen over the weekend is so so everything everybody, everybody behaved well there and the whole thing was just com- was was a complete scam. I don't I don't know that I think that's the truth either. And I just think the truth is its own reward and I'm not in any hurry to go out there and trade one false narrative for another. And I think there already are some people on the right Who are doing this could be in out of enthusiasm, could be for other reasons. With the amount of grifting on the right these days, I I just really don't know people's motivations anymore beyond my own. But my own motivation is this. Let's just get as much. Let's get all this footage out there and let's let the truth have its way. Whatever that truth is. My guess is there are some people that probably have not been targeted for their actions that may get targeted now. May not, my guess is some people that were targeted for their actions will get exonerated now. You know, my my guess is the my guess is in the end, when this all, when this all comes out in the wash, the verdict will be much more mixed than the one sided view that has been that has been shoved down our throats since January the seventh of two thousand and twenty one. But I also don't think that this was some kind of uh, pristine heroic uh, only event either. It just won't be as one-sided as the Reichstag, uh, you know, narrative that we were sold starting January 7th. Any quick thoughts on that?
1: Well, I think the truth of the matter is simply a matter of degree at this point, but it needs to come out that the, the most liable and the most wicked entity present that day was actors on behalf of or within the federal government full stop and and the degree to which uh, i mean i i the the level of guilt people have basically is imputed by all including many people on the right that you know violence is never the answer i, I will simply say you know when they're when they are instigating you with flash bags, Things of, of that nature. When they're, you know, so, sooner or later, it you stand up for yourself. So I I think this is one of the most perverse narratives in the history of this entire country. We fought a revolution over this kind of uh, utter nonsense. Uh, so I I people again are starving. I absolutely understand with with this flood of knowledge before them that people are racing uh maybe a little too far and too fast but i it's the uh, caution from people with a uh like you and steve uh, uh, baker who whose job it is to have more of a thousand foot perspective is important to help those people along but Listen, we, we have no time. This is what peop, people are racing because we have no time. There's, there's... I
2: wish I thought that that was the only reason they were racing, and I don't. It I do think there it is are the some primary people, reason. I, I think that there are some people that are racing out of the sense of urgency you articulated. I think, uh, I think there's a lot of people racing to grift the hell out of this as well. And today, I just think it's really hard to tell what the difference is. And, and unless you know absolutely everybody and on a personal level, it's kind of hard you know, to tell the difference. But there's certainly a group of individuals who love to be out in front of this stuff and usually way over oversell this stuff once the actual truth comes out the other way. And I I just saw a bunch of that over the weekend. I agree with you, though, to your other point. That... um, Go ahead.
1: I'm just here's the problem we never we have no balance they Correct. exist because of the lack of oxygen in the room for everybody else the normies who just say that we can't we just can't the, you, the comfort you talk can we race back to that no we can't you won't be a citizen you won't stand a post you won't demand something better that then these these grifters are always going to have a place to live Always here's my, and here's
2: why I think this is important. If we, if we, if we go with the grift and don't let the truth come out, we are going to walk right into another one of these false flags later on. Yeah. That's, that's the thing we have to understand the full truth of what happened here. Even for even the people who deserve to go to prison for their actions. We need to know, we need to know who the good actors are, who the crisis actors are, who the bad actors are to immediately jump from one false narrative to another. will just set us up to walk into another false flag. In my opinion,
3: so this is not a, it's a big deal to prove and expose that this was not the attempted insurrection that it was billed as and has been billed as for the last almost three years now. That is a big deal. I'm wondering, though, what is the level? What's the red line of what could come out of this that will cause a critical mass of people to demand action from whoever? And then what's the plan? What, what's the nuts and bolts of the plan? What, what is our end goal here with this footage? Is it to get the people who are rotting in prison on trumped up, trumped up BS, in many cases, charges Mm -hmm. out of prison? Mm -hmm. How do we accomplish that? I don't know. And that's that's even after we actually awaken the critical mass of people that I was talking about that say, hey, this is a red line. What was done here is wrong. Uh, Demand change. I, I don't know what the plan here. I don't know what the end goal is here. I do think it is worthwhile in the meantime to expose this for whatever it is. Whatever it ends up being that is worthwhile. What's the next step after that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. We. uh,
2: The opposite of a false narrative is not another false narrative. And the spirit of the age is, is more than happy to get us arguing just two sides of false narratives. What is deception times deception is what? What is zero times zero? We've said this before. It's a zero. The opposite of a false narrative is the truth. What is the truth? What is the truth? If we immediately jump to a false narrative, here's what will happen: people who should have who ha- should have been exonerated by now will not be, and a new slate of people who previously were not under the under the gun or in the crosshairs will be. We cannot win, even though it may even though it's good for business for some people. We are not going to win by in a battle of false narratives what is the truth that's where we can win back in a moment Back here on the Steve Day Show with our friends over at Patriot Mobile for a decade now. They have been on the vanguard of building the parallel economy, which is coming at a snail's pace. But thankfully, one place where it is fully available and realized is with your mobile phone. One product we all pretty much need in this day and age here in modern america and now you can go with patriot mobile their outstanding customer service team you can switch to any of the major networks anytime you want when you're a member of patriot mobile for free and you no longer have to give your money directly to people who hate you instead you give it to america's only american mobile phone company left they support all the same values that they do and they have a great product as well if you want to make the switch today first and foremost if you're a veteran or first responder let them know and they've got extra ways to say thank you for your service when you go to make the switch and for the rest of us you'll get a free offer you'll get a free activation with the offer code steve free activation with the offer code steve when you go to patriotmobile.com/steve again make the switch today at patriotmobile.com/steve or you can call them at 972 patriot let's welcome in Bob Vanderplats from the family leader and on Friday They had their Thanksgiving family forum. Three of the Republican presidential candidates were there. This will probably be the largest gathering of uh, of Iowa caucus voters, at least one of them, uh, depending on what kind of crowds uh, Trump and DeSantis get down the stretch, uh, that we'll see between now and, what is it, uh, 49 days from today? January Uh,
0: 15, whatever that is. Yeah, I think
2: that's in 49 days, I think, seven weeks from today, uh, the Iowa caucuses. And um, I want to start with your overall thoughts, on the candidates and um and and what stood out to you the most about each one Well,
0: that's a good question you know the first thing that stood out is that uh they were all relaxed uh it, obviously it's a different setting todd and i were talking about that before it came on the show but it's a different setting they're not at a debate stage they're around a table uh they're sitting fairly close to each other shoulder to shoulder Uh, They understood the rules that uh, it's not about talking against each other. It's about what are you for? What makes you the best candidate? Why is this your time, so to speak? And and probably what stood out, and I I put it out uh, on a tweet, Steve, is um, for Vivek Ramaswamy, here's a guy that's 38 years old, exceptionally bright, articulate, says a lot of things that we want somebody like him to say. But where he said, I'm looking for somebody to be a role model in the White House again. He said, I'm 38 years old, I haven't had a role model, and I want my kids to have a role model. I think, then he argued why he and Porva with their two children would be a role model for the country and for the world. Uh, I think at times we forget about the statesmanship role. We get so focused on the CEO role, which is the prime minister if you're in England. Uh, but you forget about the King and the Queen, the statesmanship role. In America, we combine both of those. So I was glad that he brought that up. Uh, for Ambassador Haley again, I thought she did exceptionally well. She's articulate, she's been governor, she's been uh, the ambassador of the UN uh, but really gave her an opportunity to clarify for herself, you know where she at on the sanctity of human life. Because after the Miami debate, I did hear some pushback and I read an op-ed of a pro-life person that I really regard and respect of saying that sure sounded like a pro-choice answer. Because it was. And, and so I gave her an opportunity to clarify. And then after she talked and then night, I really wanted to ask her what Governor Reynolds had to do in the state of Iowa, what Governor DeSantis had to do in uh, Florida, and what her successor had to do in South Carolina. Would you have signed a heartbeat bill if you were governor of South Carolina? And she's right. away said she she definitely would have signed a heartbeat bill. So I think that helped her out because what I want to do is give them the highest hurdle. And then uh, I thought DeSantis uh, in the comment, which was his highest hurdle. And the highest hurdle being why not wait your turn? Uh, uh, Trump's second choice voters are you and your second choice voters are Trump. So why not just wait, wait your turn, let Trump do this right now and not you? And I thought he gave a very succinct and compelling answer about why him and not the former president. All the way from he doesn't believe the former president is going to win a general election. America's made up their mind on him. Even if he were to win, who's he going to get to work with him or for him? Because all the people that are working with him or for him, whether you're Sidney Powell or Jenna Ellis or Rudy Giuliani or Mike Lindell or it, I mean, it's these guys are going scorched earth at you and you're not having their back. They're, these guys are going financially bankrupt because of this deal. Who are you going to attract to, to work for you? And then he made a compelling argument that even if Trump were to win, he's a lame duck on day one. Uh, and you need a two-term governor. You have a lot of issues at stake. And he laid out about the increased debt, debt load when Trump was president. Uh, the border did not get secure. That's why we're dealing with the issues that we're dealing with today so he just went through a laundry in the swamp the swamp is swampier than ever so i thought he made a compelling case why this was his time uh versus say the former presidents
2: just as you started talking i got this note from tom who says the format was totally awesome it's the most informative discussion by any of these candidates anyone's produced this season this primary season and uh, please pass along my thanks to Bob and his organization for that forum. So mm-hmm. I wanted to pass that along.
0: Well, first of all, thanks to Tom. And that is a comment, though, that we have heard over and over and over again. Now, sarcastically, I said to my wife, Darl, I said, listen, if <laughs> if the bar is the Republican presidential debate so far, we are going to look good no matter <laughs> what we do, we're going to look good. But, Steve, I think what allowed Vivek, what allowed... Uh, Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis to be comfortable and confident and able to have a discussion. We didn't give them 90 seconds to answer a question. Each one of them had a time clock. They had up to 28 minutes. They weren't going to go over 28 minutes, but they could be judicious now. They use their time. And I think even what you saw of DeSantis, he wasn't pressed now to get all these talking points out in 90 seconds and then stop and smile he was able to be relaxed at the table and have that conversation. That's why Vivek was able to tell his story. Nikki was able to tell part of her story. And it got to be, you got to see them as people, as persons. Uh, when DeSantis talked about uh, he and Casey going through a miscarriage of their first child, uh, you heard a crack in his voice of getting emotional. Obviously, Vivek talked about uh, with his, their, he know Porva having a miscarriage and then their son, Carthage. And then you had Nikki Haley talking about her and her husband, her husband being adopted, and them actually with their children as well. It was an opportunity to see them as people, not just policy positions.
2: So Aaron, in his montage before you came on here at the top of the show, singled out Ron's answer at your forum about to your question about why him over Trump. Hmm. And I thought that was the most forceful and aggressive answer uh, in, in, in to it to justify his candidacy I've ever heard from Ron DeSantis mm-hmm. publicly or privately I was very curious to see how the crowd was going to react though because as the answer went on it got increasingly aggressive and you know this from you've challenged an incumbent coming out of retirement Running for office as well, there is a line where you're you you are talking largely to a group of people that are used to voting for this individual, mm-hmm. and so what is the line where yeah you're right you're right and then they kind of roll their eyes and like okay come on okay you know what I'm saying you're mm-hmm. laying now we're laying it on thick, and so I I, I was curious because in my view I thought Ron was coming right up to that line, and I was and I was listening intently to see how the room was going to respond because. I would guess almost everybody in that room, unless they have a media credential, has voted for Donald Trump at some point in the mm-hmm. last couple of elections, either in a primary or certainly in a general election fair. And that was perhaps the most uh, enthusiastic and repetitively enthusiastic responses he received the entire time. And that I, I was struck by that. What did you think in the moment?
0: Well, I've got to be honest with you, uh, being at the table and I'm the one to ask them the question. Um, but I almost got a little bit uncomfortable. I thought, okay, this is the Thanksgiving family forum. We're at a Thanksgiving table. But what I saw there, and I saw the audience's response, I mean, they, they gave him an enthusiastic response to what he was saying. But, Steve, I thought you saw him cross a threshold there where I've been making my case to Iowa. I've been making my case to the American people. Right now, I'm going to close the sale. I'm going to close the sale to some people who need to make a decision. And I'm telling you what, that forum moved more than one, two, or three, four, or five people who were going to be in the Trump camp, because I've heard from them in regards to they really felt the case was made by Nikki, by Vivek, and by Ron DeSantis, why the former president probably is not there for. And so to see that happen, but I think it also goes to the indicator we've talked about before. Iowa's typically broke broken late. They always break late, and so that's what I saw there, Steve. I saw a guy saying, "I'm trying to make the case to you." Now I'm going to close the sale. All
2: right, we we can't have this be like because I agree that overall I thought everybody in their own way performed rather well or related rather well, but we can't have this be like uh, the Big Ten networks uh, bus tour of the of the teams <laughs> in, the, in the summer. All right, everybody's great. Everybody's better. Someone's going to suck. Right, not the entire Big Ten's not going six and six. Yeah. Right, so someone's going two and two, two and ten. Mm. Someone's going three and nine. Mm. Someone's going twelve and zero. Someone's going eleven and one. All right, and so there had to be moments there that were disappointments. For me, Nikki Haley saying to referring to my truth in a room of, of evangelicals, I thought was bold move, Cotton. I thought that was one, but, but there had to be moments where people were like, where you were like, okay, I don't know how that's going to play in Peoria.
0: Well, I think, you know, part of when you get to say, uh, Nikki saying my truth, that's so I also press her then about, would you sign a heartbeat bill or not? Because if it's my truth versus your truth, that's a pro-choice response in a, with a pro-life question. All right. So could that answer the fact, given who she is trying to cater
2: to? Basically, Nikki Haley's base is is the John Kasich base and people who want to beat Trump but hate DeSantis because he's actually he's actually a right winger. Mm -hmm. Did she help herself to that base saying, hey, yeah, I'd sign a heartbeat bill because that's one of the reasons why those people aren't donating to DeSantis because he signed a heartbeat bill.
0: I think she did. I think she. um, Matter of fact, I heard that. Uh, people, again, liked Nikki Haley. One is she comes off with a, the right demeanor, but she's also very accomplished. No, I mean
2: with the, the donor yeah. class that she's catering
0: to. Did they want to hear that she was going to sign a heartbeat bill? Well, that, that would be up to her and the donor class. As a matter of fact, a lot of that donor class is not supporting the family leader. So, yeah, that's not so necessarily So that's crowd. probably yeah. not yeah. the bridge. But, you know, even with uh, Vivek, and I think Vivek was, was ready for the question about um, we don't share the same faith. Uh, You know, I'm a Christian. He's a Hindu. Uh, You wear a cap that says truth. So what's the origin of truth? How do you discern it? Uh, This is the Pontius Pilate question to to Jesus. What is truth, so to speak? And he went to a lot of the shared values. Now, again, that all sounds good. But to this base, I understand there's there's a more of a foundational level here uh regarding israel which i asked all three candidates about and the question on israel wasn't so much what or how but it was why and the reason i wanted to ask why you got anti-semitism all over this country college campuses you look at europe the anti-semitic references are way up and to me what that's getting to is that we don't understand why anymore Mm -hmm. and frankly although they all answered it adequately i thought there's one missing element And the missing element was just a simple thing. Oh, this is good versus evil. Oh, this is right versus wrong. I mean, take a look at this. And so the biblical understanding of it was really, really good. I thought DeSantis put that out as well as being a strategic ally that Nikki brought out as well. And I thought Vivek saying, you know, listen, the reason we stand with Israel is because it's in the best interest of the United States. So we wanted to go a little bit deeper, say, on the nation of Israel.
2: How did you think this event Ha- and and you can even throw in the governor's endorsement the previous week. How do you think the events of the last couple of weeks have shaped how this uh, how how things look here in Iowa now going down the stretch?
0: Well, I think it's what Iowans do. Uh, our Thanksgiving family forum has always been kind of a pivotal moment. Uh, we saw it with Rick Santorum in twenty eleven, where he was at five percent, and just a few weeks later he wins the Iowa caucuses, and nobody saw that coming. Okay. I give a lot of credit to the Thanksgiving Family Forum more than my endorsement. I think a base that was ready to make up their mind made up their mind. Uh, I think in 2015, I think Ted Cruz, we talked about this before, was just kind of stagnant at that seven, 8% mark. After the Thanksgiving Family Forum, again, not so much because of my endorsement, but a base that was willing to make up their mind made up their mind. And I think what you see here as well, this is the last large gathering where all three will be at together Mm -hmm. in Iowa, unless the RNC does the right thing, says we're gonna have a debate in Iowa. But um, it's the last large gathering, at least of our base, that's gonna see all three of them together. And I thought it was crucial that you got to compare and contrast the individuals giving their responses up there together. The nonverbals with each other, as well as the, it, it just makes all the difference. People got to compare and contrast. So now is this base ready to make up their mind? I think what I saw after the forum, people are changing their mind. I just had before I came in here, two pastors uh, notified one of our members of our church ambassador network. They changed their mind after the Thanksgiving family forum. So what's happening now? This was the culminating event. People now get a chance to make up their mind, and we'll see which way they decide to go.
2: All right, we've got about 90 seconds. When are you going to make up your mind?
0: My mind, I've always said it'll be after this forum, it'll be before Christmas, and it'll be way before Christmas. Um, uh, our board and I, uh, along with the executive team, are meeting this afternoon already at 4 o'clock. Uh, we're going to have a, a great conversation about what we saw on Friday, and we'll also go through the entire process. Because you guys know, because you – you're in the same offices as the family leader. Uh, we've had these candidates in our offices. Uh, a week ago Several
2: of them, much to my chagrin, but yeah. yes.
0: <laughs> Some of them you didn't want to go out and meet. But a week <laughs> ago, we had uh, Ron DeSantis here who spent three hours in these offices. Uh, meeting with me, meeting with the board, meeting with influencers, doing a podcast or a video one-on-one. And, and just well, so
2: everybody knows, all the other candidates were offered that opportunity. Oh, and, and most yeah.
0: of them took advantage of it. Yep. And then meeting with the Church Ambassador Network. But the thing that these candidates would give three hours of their time to come to your offices is just... So we have seen everything from in the house to church to in our offices to the Leadership Summit, now Thanksgiving Family Forum. So we're going to take that all into play mm-hmm. and all the different dynamics and basically be what's the best wisdom, what's the best discernment on whether it's my endorsement or whether it's the ministry's endorsement or both.
2: Okay. Aaron, you were there. You have any quick thoughts here in the final minute?
3: Bob, I can't believe you're selling yourself short here. The biggest laughter of the entire evening was your Trump impression at one (laughs) point.
0: That's true. Uh, It was pretty spot on yeah well thank you for my my son our youngest that son, was better than your meatloaf reference yeah, well thank you two out of three ain't bad uh our youngest son was there sitting in the front row had one of the premier seats right next to my wife and by the governor and he made sure that he was just frozen and the reason is that no one would be reading into him like what i'm thinking you know so he was just kind of until i made the trump impression Then he looked at his mom like, I cannot believe he just did that. (laughs) But it was fun. All right. Good stuff. Well done to you and your team. All right. Thank
2: you. God bless. You bet. Same to you. We'll come back. It'll be your turn to ask me anything when we return. greetings back with our two live and on demand on blaze tv radio and podcast i'm steve dace he's aaron mcintyre he's totters and you are you and you can let us know what you think about what we think just email the show steve at stevedace.com that's d-e-a-c-e like us as well on facebook me we and gab you can follow me at steve day show on twitter Uh, Get her Instagram and TikTok. And then if you are a podcast listener, thank you so very much. Please show how much you like us by leaving us a five-star review, if you do like us, that is. And thank you to all of you who already have. And then also hit subscribe, or if you're on iTunes, follow. And that way, every time we do a new episode, it shows up in your feed every single time. And thanks to all of you that have done those things for us as well. Thanks to our friends over at MD Hearing Aids. Todd, how much do you remember Mr. Mom? I mean, I loved that movie when we were kids. You mean Michael Keaton? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I loved that movie. Do you remember when Terry Gar, the mom, goes to work? It's for the tuna fish company. He gets laid off at the auto plant, right? Because of the the, the Japs, basically. Okay. And uh she goes to work at the ad agency, or Martin
1: Mull, right?
2: Yes, and and she comes up with this campaign with the tuna fish company, because we're, we're still coming out. This is the you know the, this movie is being filmed in like eighty one, eighty two, so we're still kind of coming out of the uh, the the seventies, the Carter recession, and she convinces this tuna fish company to really play themselves up their patriotism and stuff. Because everybody else with inflation, that's the last time we had inflation this bad was back then. I mean, that prices are going up for everything else. And she's like, you know, what would be really good is to show people how much you care about them. You cut your prices. And the company's just like, ah, oh, we don't want to have to do that, you know? And then they ended up doing it. And their sales, of course, go through the roof, right? I do okay? remember that, yeah. Well, our friends at MD Hearing Aid didn't have to hire Terry Gar's ad agency, okay? While everybody else is is raising prices, they actually cut them in the midst of this inflation craziness themselves. They cut their price in half. And you were already able to get medical grade hearing aids for about 90% less from MD hearing anyway. So now they've cut their prices in half. They, They just made their Neo rechargeable digital hearing aids only $297 a pair. Only $297 a pair, pair, and they are rechargeable with a battery life that lasts up to 30 hours. And the Neo model, it's MD hearing aids, smallest hearing aid ever. If it's inside your ear, no one will even know that it's there. All right. So this is just one of the reasons why MD hearing has sold over one and a half million hearing aids. They offer you a 45 day risk free trial. So not just 30, but 45 days that includes a 100 percent money back guarantee. So you can buy them with confidence founded by an ENT surgeon who saw how many of his patients needed hearing aids, but couldn't afford them. So he wanted to do something about it. And he did with MD hearing. Go to mdhearing.com. Take advantage of this awesome deal. mdhearing.com. Get the new $297 uh, when you buy the Neo chargeable, uh, rechargeable hearing aid. That's an incredible price. You can't beat it. $297 at mdhearing.com. Again, that is mdhearing.com and use the promo code Steve. Make sure you do that. Use the promo code Steve at mdhearing.com. All right. It is time to ask me anything our fans, followers, I don't know how many of them are fans, but they're following us at Facebook, or at least a few of you that Facebook allows to see my posts. <laughs> All right. You guys have submitted questions. Todd, you have selected the questions that we will soon be answering. And Aaron, you have the questions, so let's get it rolling.
3: All right, we will begin with Jeffrey Holland. Can someone other than Todd choose the questions?
2: Yes, in fact, when Todd was gone a few weeks ago, my oldest daughter Anastasia chose the questions. It's the first time we've let somebody else choose the questions and she did a fantastic job. I didn't I'm not saying she did better than Todd, they're just different. I mean, she's a, you know, I mean, she's a 22-year-old pregnant woman, and uh, and you know, Todd is a 51-year-old man, okay? So the, the, the questions that may or may not stand out to each of them at a given time may be different, but she did in her own right an absolutely outstanding job.
1: Was there... I'm genuinely curious, but was, what was the most significant change in tone from Anna's versus mine?
2: I would say if I could come up with Aaron, help me make sure I'm recalling this, but it really seemed like Anna went for almost entirely serious questions. Yeah. That were like very thought provoking. You know, you, sometimes you'll go for something, like, really off the wall or eclectic or something that... Because it's it, Ask Me Anything. Yeah, that, that you kind of just, you are curious how I'll answer it, not even with regard of how much of the audience even cares about it. Anna, Anna went, you know, and that's to be expected, carrying my DNA. Uh, Anna went hardcore on a lot of, like, you know, the serious worldview stuff.
1: Which is also in there all the time. Yeah. Um, but I you know I, I was wondering this guy's particular because if I wanted to it could this could be like all football questions we got and that I, many um ne- there's all in it and I'm never wow. gonna do that and see I made
2: her sit there why when, when you were gone be- just in case there was a question out there like I'll say to you why did you choose this question mm-hmm. all right maybe I want to make sure I'm, I'm I'm getting to why it was in there but i I never had to do that man she she just went for high heat the whole time all right you know that's it so
3: all right next we go to sean gossett you speak about revival or bust for the little national hope we have what uh, would national revival look like for our country in its infancy which of these signs would come first more churches being started increased existing church attendance rejection of current alphabet religion etc which one of those would come first
2: i would say neither um i would say repentance would come first um, to paraphrase Martin Luther's um, introduction to his 95 theses, all of the Christian life is a life of repentance. Um, so, I mean, I, I would say mass acts... Well, mass, let's define mass. A hundred people, thousands, tens of thousands... Um. Let's put it let me describe it this way. A a public showing of repentance that that spawns other public showings of repentance. I mean I, I I think of my own conversion. Um I was on a I was face down on a concrete floor at Kemper Arena in Kansas City, Missouri just Purging. I don't know how else to describe it. Just 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 purging thirty years of baggage. I was thirty years old purging thirty years of baggage. And a lot of that was in the form of tears. So I I, I think repentance. I, I I think a lot of the things you mentioned we have aspects of in our culture already. But I think what we're really talking about is a not insignificant, and, in, and when you're dealing with 330 million people, that could be 2% of the population. I mean, 1% of, of 330 million people is 3.3 million people. That's a lot of people. That's almost the entire population of the state of Iowa, Okay. So, some significant displays of repentance, I I would say, would be the first signs of revival. Excellent question. Yeah.
3: Next, Jim Heron says, Steve, uh, can I run my idea and see what you think? The no. Left.
2: Next okay. question. I'm okay. just I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> Go ahead, I'm just uh, The kidding.
3: left is at its maximum power, but it's at its nadir of credibility. It will fall, and perhaps soon. This is why debates between different camps of the right are more important than debates about left versus right. I, I see no evidence of its fall. That's... I, I I just it's, he didn't say fall. He said Nadir of its credibility.
2: Doesn't wasn't the next sentence? This
3: is why debates between.
2: I thought the next sentence was this is why it will fall. Oh, it will, oh, fall, it and will bring- fall. Yeah,
3: right. okay. yeah. I
2: I just I don't I don't see any evidence of this. Um, I mean, we're we're going through a primary where a bunch of people are tweeting out no amnesty for who did this to us during covid and then in the very next tweet donald trump for president we're going through a primary where people are saying i was vaccine injured and then right after that donald trump who gave me my the vaccine that injured me for president i i, I don't see any evidence that they're um in, in fact i'm going we're going through a primary right now where a guy that everyone was singing their praise his praises Because of the fact that he destroyed the left in a state. Then he ran for president and threatened their meal tickets. And now he's either uh, a neocon cuck or just doesn't even exist at all. Okay, I mean, if, if you're flat out paid to lie for Trump, you'll go to the you'll go to that you know you, you'll play the Alex Bruce Laura Loomer card everybody that's just not flat out paid by him but has a vested interest in um, him succeeding and wants to maintain some shred of credibility has just decided to act as if Ron DeSantis was never born after you know um, fetting him uh, for the last three years I, I just don't see any evidence that they're about to collapse at all I I don't. Which is weird though because I agree with the last part of your statement. I 100% agree with it. Um And why do I agree with it? Because I have a biblical worldview. <clears throat> the focus of the scriptures, there 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 is a percentage of the scriptures that focuses on destroying the arguments against a biblical worldview. But even within the with even contained within the book that is perhaps the most devastating takedown of worldviews other than a biblical one, Romans, there is plenty of focus on internal credi- internal accountability and credibility. Judgment begins in the house of God first. Why do you call me lord if you do not do what I say? Have no fellowship with with the darkness instead expose it. Um, take the the log out of your your own eye before you worry about the speck of dust of your brothers. I mean accountability works inside out in a biblical worldview not outside in. Doesn't mean it has nothing to say about the outside world has quite a bit to say about it but ultimately the biblical worldview says there's no point for the outside world to hear what we have to say about what it has wrong if we don't know why we're right and are not producing a testimony that that signifies this so for that reason I agree with you and and this is why I go back to the Candace Owens Ben Shapiro thing. I, I don't have a home, really. I don't. Um, I, I trust Ben Shapiro's integrity more, for sure. I trust Ben Shapiro's intellectual capability more, capacity, for sure more. On the other hand, he's way too institutional. And I much like Candace, I would I mean I, I'd be more like Candace in the questioning of narratives. I'm just fine questioning every narrative. She's not. Um, when the narrative question gets to the comes to the, uh, the, you know, uh, the perimeter of Donald Trump's, uh, political, uh, ambitions, she stops questioning. So, um, I, I don't, you know, I, I, a biblical worldview doesn't permit me to do that. It doesn't say, Hey, because you have a seat at somebody's table, um, you know, just let the whole thing go. In fact, actually there's whole verses and segments like in Proverbs, for example, warning you about. Um, having a seat at the king's table and and uh, and the temptations that go along with that actually, God is no respecter of persons. You know, so um, I agree with you. I agree with your conclusion, but I wholly disagree with your premise, and it doesn't make me happy to say it. In fact, what I what I actually see us succumbing to, and this is my concern, what I see us succumbing to is a French Revolution style "vot populi," just abandon all fundamentals and all first things, and um, storm the Bastille. I, I, I see that occurring. I thought Ron Paul was the first iteration of this to some degree, even though Ron is very smart. But if you look at a lot of the moral premises that Ron and his followers were arguing, and I said this at the time, which very much angered them, but it was still true, so I didn't care. They were arguing a lot of the premises of the French Revolution. the the philosophical premises of it, what what a lot of what a lot of today's populist right is is the uh, disruption, disruption, anger, disruption, anger. I mean this this is now where we're going to get into the application. We're going to perform the French Revolution now, and I'm just I I mean I I, we, I guess I'd prefer the French Revolution to the Bolshevik Revolution if those are my choices, of course, but I don't know that either one of them, frankly, is the kingdom of God in the end. I mean, the Bolsheviks ended by taking over a church called the Kremlin and you know, and using it as the capital of a godless state. The French Revolution ended with let's get rid of uh, statues to Mary and put up for the put up statues to the goddess of reason and bring out the priests and have them go first in the guillotines during the Reign of Terror. I I just you know. I'm not sure which I don't know that either one of those comports necessarily with the biblical worldview. Is that answer confusing enough?
1: Oh, it elaborated, but yeah, I'm two for do on the heavyweight, serious questions. Yeah. So anybody wanna,
2: to I, anybody wanna add to what I anybody want to add to what I just said? Did I did I, did I did I did I did I it doesn't mean he has to agree. Did I sufficiently answer his question? Yeah, I agree. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
3: Next. Jarrell Watts says, do you take time out to sit and watch any of the Thanksgiving Day parades?
2: Man, I, I, when I was a kid, I loved watching the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And um, it was kind of in our home, the official countdown to Christmas and waiting for Santa to show up at the end was a big deal. And Miracle on 34th Street one of my favorite movies, period. But certainly in my top 10 of Christmas movies, I try to watch it the last few years, man. And, it, and it's just where are the floats a lot of it is lip-synced music performances like ever before and really gay, you know? And it's just like, I don't know. So if if the last few years is any indication, I will try to tune in for a little bit on Thursday and end up tapping out for all the reasons I just said. It, it just seems like, you know, it's not what it used to be either
3: uh next go to sean eric uh with a question i actually have as well i can't get uh, a straight answer to this question is nefarious going to be released on 4k ultra high definition blu-ray and if so when i've been holding off on buying the blu-ray disc uh, because i wanted to watch it on 4k
2: you know i don't know the answer to that question myself and as someone who's got 4k capability at his home i i don't know the answer um Would you expect the executive producer of the film to know these things? I will tell you, I don't, we've not, I've not had, we've not had any conversations about this. Doesn't mean it hasn't occurred or there are no plans for it. Um, I'll try to get an answer. Aaron, uh, remind me and uh, send me a text or email and I'll, I'll contact Carrie and Chuck and try to get an answer to that. I can tell you.
3: It'd be kind of a cool special edition thing. Maybe get uh, Sean Patrick Flannery's uh, signature or something on there.
2: Yep. I think I said on Friday at, uh, in overtime, it was two weeks it's actually three weeks uh from friday so two weeks from this friday is when we all get together again to begin storyboarding the nefarious sequel so very excited about that and very excited to see how the devil plans to try to kill us and torment us for daring to go into the breach again
3: paul kasprek is next if sola scriptura exists how was the individual saved without a book
2: I, I think you need to clarify this question. I, I, first of all, I don't believe that the people are saved by the Bible. They're saved by the, uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ that, and his atoning work at the cross. So I think soteriology is not the same thing as theology, is not the same thing as a philosophy or a worldview. Um, you're conflating those things. I mean, ultimately, what Sola Scriptura is proclaiming, uh, it's part, actually, Sola Scriptura is part of the five creeds of the Reformation. Okay. Um, Sola Christos, there is no uh, atonement for sin that satisfies the wrath of God other than Christ. So that addresses the salvation question. Um, Sola gracia, which is that uh, by grace alone you have been saved through the free gift of faith, lest any man would boast. That's Paul's words in the New Testament. So uh, the grace of God is a free gift we do not earn. It is given. Okay. Uh, Sola fide, uh, that we are justified by faith alone. Okay. And now this is where we get into the Protestant and Catholic arguments is on sola fide and on sola scriptura. The other three. Sola De Gloria, Sola Christos, Sola Gracia are not things Catholics and Protestants disagree with. It's the other two. But Sola Scriptura does not, is not about salvation. It's about authority. Sola Scripturus is the, is the, Sola Christos and Sola Gracia speak to salvation. That salvation is an act of God's grace. And, and, it, is, and is, it is precipitated by Jesus being the propitiation for our sins, which makes grace available. That's separate from the question of Sola Scriptura. Sola Scriptura is a question, this is why you've heard me say for, for all the years that Todd and I have worked together on this show, that the primary argument between Catholics and Protestants is not theological. It is ecclesiastical. It is a question of authority. If you do not, if you reject Sola Scriptura, then... Extra biblical teachings that are not explicitly found in the scriptures, but come from the church, you will view them as authoritative. If you believe Sola Scriptura is authoritative, then you will reject things that, and I notice I didn't say unbiblical. I Meaning there can be things that are extra biblical that are not explicitly biblically uh, pronounced, but are biblically, say, inspired or could be biblically deduced to be true, Okay. Um, So this is a question of authority. Sola Scriptura is a question of authority. And therefore, what it says, and you're welcome to disagree, but something has to be the ultimate authoritative source for what dictates the conscience of the believer. And something will sit at the head of that table. Something will. So if you are a Protestant like me, the scriptures do. But Sola Scriptura speaks not to salvation, okay, but to authority. Todd, any
1: thoughts? No, it's the answer I expected, and he always uh, makes things as clear as possible and is uh, always uh, fair to the church. So with a lot of the goings-on lately, as I've noticed on Twitter, I I knew this would be helpful for Steve to get the microphone on this topic.
3: Next up, Russell Curley says congressmen in the House are always saying the easiest way to course-correct is, quote, the power of the purse— I think that is not the entire truth. They can make it all kinds of amendments for enforcement of accountability for federal agencies. What do you think?
2: Ultimately, I don't think there's... Well, I agree with you it's not true, but not necessarily because of what you're saying. It's not true because they won't do it. So, they won't do the power of the purse. So... It makes the rest of the so. Wh- who was it, the sent that, that asked this? What's the name? Uh, Russell. So Russell, we are not permitted the benefit of the process argument that you are making. Because if they won't do the power of the purse, Russell, they're not going to do any of the other arguments or any of the other weaponry or any of the other processes that you happen to think are more effective. You see what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. So if they if, we're not we're not permitted, I guess the tactical is maybe the better way to put it. We're not permitted because you're in, you're interested in 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 warfare here, okay? Not just a process for a process' sakes. So we're arguing here. What's a better what's what's a better tactical advantage in this battle? They won't engage in the battle. Therefore, you and I's thoughts on which tactics to use are irrelevant. And not, it, it, they won't do it anyway. So you may even be right. I have no idea. I, I just know that if they won't do their most basic thing with the power of the purse, they won't do anything else. And they don't. That's my answer.
3: Next, Jerry Davis asks, what's the over under that the new president of Argentina, Millet, can start to turn things around for the country after so many years of socialists running the country.
2: I don't know, but I, I I think that it relies just as much on the people of Argentina as it does him. Because let's say some of this is showmanship. Like he even has like the Boris Johnson hair to some degree. OK, I mean, these are some of the he's, his language is certainly more R-rated. Uh, than Boris Johnson's was. But if you remember, this was a similar shtick to what Boris Johnson had with the disheveled hair and that's not dissimilar. Um, Boris Johnson live up to that rhetoric? No. No. No, it was a colossal disappointment, in fact. So if he's <laughs> if, if, if he's tempted to pucker... It will require the accountability of the people for that to not take place. If he is a true disruptor, and here's what I mean by this: you can use you can use words as a disruptive force to get you power. But the ultimate force of disruption is the acquisition and then wielding of power. If it's just words. as it was too often for Trump, frankly. If it's just words, that may get you power. But then the ultimate disruption is the wielding of that power. That is the ultimate disruption. So, if, he, if he's tempted to go down... Is it Maloney? Is that her name?
3: Mal- the- Maloney.
2: Maloney, I'm sorry. If he's, t- if he's tempted to pucker like Maloney in Italy, it will require the people to be engaged, to hold him accountable and say that, that, that ain't going to cut it brother. And then if he's real, if he's like, I I mean, I'm going, I'm, I'm going in. It will require the support of the people because he will gain none of it on an institutional level. So I think the people of Argentina have every bit as much to say to this as Malay does. And That's why I made the analogy to Brexit when we talked about this for a few minutes last hour. Brexit was an easy way to have your voice heard. It didn't require you lining up with a political party. It didn't require you lining up behind a candidate. It was just a blanket referendum on the direction of the country and the fact that the UK, along with Germany, were the only two financially solvent nations in the EU and therefore paying everybody else's bills. But then you could kind of just grind that axe, vent that outrage, and just kind of go back home. All right, you guys take it from here. People have spoken. Well, that does not get to work anymore. And it goes really back to the one to to the. It's mythology. We don't really know that it's true. But it goes back to the conversation Ben Franklin is said to have had with a woman as he walked out of. As he walked out of Philadelphia. What kind of government did you all give us, she asked. And he looked at her and said, a republic, if you can keep it, according to legend. Did he say a republic, if we can keep it? No. Did he say a republic, if we can do it? No. Um, No, he said, if you, the people, can keep it, you will always get the government you deserve. You will always get the amount of tyranny you will tolerate.
1: Even a hedonist like Ben Franklin understood that John Adams, who was... Like, couldn't be more different. Yep. Now he lived his life. John Adams was ultimately right and more right probably than any founding father in this thing. a moral and religious people and no other. That's why when Thomas Paine came back from the French Revolution or what was going on in France. And he's like,
2: this is the secular paradise we've been looking for. And he was going to write a book about it. And he showed it to Ben Franklin and Frank, in his latter years. And Franklin was like, don't you dare publish this book. It should never see the light of day. That's never going to work. And he was right. France is on, it's what, 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th constitution? So, the people of Argentina need to understand they didn't, they didn't win anything yesterday. They started something. I give them credit for that. They should get credit for that. But the day you're married didn't finish anything. It started something. Is the whole of the marriage consummated right there? The actual consummation, the raising of children, if you, if you can have them or choose to, the, the, the hard times. Do, do, you, do you live up to all those vows right then and there on the wedding day?
1: You do not. No.
2: It, is, it, it, didn't, it didn't culminate anything. It started something. They're going to decide how this works. Are they willing to be engaged enough that when the institutions decide, hey, the next scamdemic is coming from Buenos Aires because we can't have this dude, okay? Or or if he decides to Maloney this thing, are they going to be like, no, dude, this ain't about you. It's about us. They'll decide this. More in a moment. So if you get together with the family this week and you are looking for a good movie to watch, one that uh, isn't cheesy, isn't cringy, but also has a powerful story of redemption, check out uh, the movie The Blind about our colleague here at the Blaze, Phil Robertson, his life story, uh, his, uh, the great work Christ did in his life. It is told in pretty raw, vivid Detail, but it's also extremely well done, stri- extremely inspiring. I love this movie. Uh, the, the, they did a phenomenal job telling Phil's story. And you can now get access to it without having to give money to Apple or Amazon. Give it to us instead. Uh, visit blaze tv.com slash the blind visit blaze tv.com slash the blind this is the first time we have ever offered a theatrical grade film to our audience here at the blaze uh, blaze tv.com slash the blind that's blaze tv.com slash the blind I promise you you will not regret it the movie is really really good
3: All right, let's get back to ask me anything Aaron. Next, we go to Michelle Vandergrift Jansen. Obviously, our society as a whole has delighted in sinful ways, especially sins of the flesh, over the past 50 years, which has brought us to this dire state. Why do you think there are no church leaders calling for mass repentance?
2: I I don't know. I just... I don't know that I would say there are no church leaders. I'm sure that there are some. There's just... There's just not many. And... All the, all the ways I would answer your, all the answers to your question are bad. I'll just leave it there. I mean, I'll, I'll, all the answers to your question are bad. The church has failed the country, frankly, collectively as an institution.
1: Well, I think uh, Pope Francis's predecessor, Pope Benedict, had a clear answer to this that applies to Protestant churches as well he said for the the church to become more robust heal revival you know whatever he said it would have to get smaller first um and that to the to the degree to which many church leaders uh both the pastors and then the elders whoever they may be and i've seen this one with my own church i saw a guy who was in his 70s and he looked at me in the eye, and he, he he clearly meant this in every bit as way as he said Jesus is risen. Mm-hmm. He said, "Well, this is a business. No, it's not. But if you think of it that way, then you're just bottom line and everything, and you won't say the things." That need to be said. You bottom lining in a way yeah. like a spreadsheet kind of way. Mm-hmm. I you know You can't that. run a church like that.
3: I know that guy. Not the particular one yeah. that you're talking about, but I know that guy. Yeah. It's a ministry when it's convenient to me, and it's a business when it's convenient to me. Yeah. You can't. That's, you don't get it. You don't get it.
2: By the way, I just got this note from Mark Fedigan. Steve, you need to do what I did last year. YouTube Thanksgiving Day Parade from 1980 or whatever year you want. Watch that instead. You're welcome. Dude, Last year, when we went home for Christmas break, I don't know how this happened, man. You know, either during lockdowns or wintertime, I can get down some rabbit trails on YouTube, man. <laughs> okay. I went, when I, one of the things I did when we went home for Christmas break last year is I think I watched like three of the, uh, the Donnie and Marie Osmond Christmas specials from the 70s. Wow. And then, and then like the year before, I think I watched, like, every one of the Dean Martin Christmas specials from back in the day. I freaking love Dean Martin, though. Dude's just cool. So I, I can get down those rabbit trails where, and that's how I ended up, remember, I came back from Christmas break and I was all depressed because I had watched, like, this two-hour video on YouTube of Christmas commercials from TV on the in the 70s, 80s, and 90s remember we had this conversation back in January. I'm like, it was like, that's like another country, like another country. I mean, we had, I mean, we had our sins and our red light districts, but we still understood that some things had to be kind of sacred. Some things, you know, the old magic had to be somewhat preserved. Not everything was derelict. Not everything was, you know, sacrilege. We, we, we didn't yet have, we had the desire to indulge our flesh in those eras too, but not the desire to just let it run amok and just overcome every aspect of the culture yet. Right. Okay. And there's like none of that reverence and everything. When you see the stuff that we see out today or very little of it, you know, and it, watching those commercials, man, it was like a different country. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know why? It was a different country. It was a different country. Yeah. Thank you for the suggestion though, Mark. I like it.
3: Next up, Christopher Bates says, how does one inspire people to seek the truth without looking like Don Quixote tilting at, wind, at windmills?
2: I, I think, and I, I give this answer in, in to this kind of a question a lot because it's, it's the only one I have, and I think it's the best one. In general, I, I wouldn't say it's the, it, it's not the only thing, but in general, the best argument for what you believe is the way that you live what you believe. I mean, if it, if it doesn't have credibility with you, I don't know what anybody would be interested in, why it would have credibility with anybody else. And I mean, I just got a text from a longtime buddy of mine. Uh, you know, we, we got saved together, basically. And he sent me a text. Hey, my wife just served, served me divorce papers. It, it's not it's not about being perfect. Nothing's perfect. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But, you know, are we seeking to get back up off the ground when we fall? Or we just stay down? You know, uh, when we get off the narrow road, are we at least clumsily finding our trying to find our way back? Or do we just stay lost? Okay. You know, and I think all, uh, really the best argument you, you have for anything is the, a demonstration of the credibility that that argument has with you. And if it doesn't, then, I mean, you can be as eloquent as you want, but ultimately you won't be as effective as you want to be. So that that's always you know how do I reach my family how do, you know how do I get them to pay attention or how do, like you just said how do I avoid l- tilting at windmills, and that by the way I'm not making the argument um, there's a, there's a, a a classic line that has been completely bastardized in modern times, preach the gospel and use words if necessary. I mean the 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 two individuals that inspired slash wrote. Most of the New Testament are Christ and Paul. And they were very fond of going to places and preaching out in the open. They didn't just have some do-gooder ministries and people like, wow, you guys just seem like you got it going on. Tell me more. No, I mean, they openly confronted the spirit of the age everywhere they went and out in the open. But so there is a there there needs to be an emphasis on that but in our day and age if if particularly the more emotional we get as a people and the less philosophically driven we are the power of your philosophical argument will be ignored if you're unable to make an emotional connection and you're gonna have a hard time making an emotional connection if people if people see a disconnect between what you be, what you claim to believe and what you do or who you are this is this is why i've been so concerned for the last couple of weeks about having a high profile politician out there talking about i'm driven by a biblical worldview and then turn around and give the spirit of the age everything it wants because by virtue by virtue we're saying to the public Oh, this must be what a biblical worldview is, then, right? Yeah, yeah. Is that is is and is, is that is that what a biblical worldview is? You give evil whatever it wants.
1: Absolutely not.
2: No, it's not. No. There, uh,
1: there's one thing about this that I find interesting, and it, it's, it's first part. You you have to unpack Don Quixote a little bit. Th- this has come in this spirit, dead and age, to be. A pejorative, Don Quixote. Right, Go, you know, just you look like a crazy person. You're not grounded in reality. That's not how real life works. But the the romanticism that attempted to lift up uh, chivalry through him was that it was saying, you know what? Actually, we need a little bit more Don Quixote. He 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 was trying in his own way to to revive something that was lost and dead and was badly needed and he was right we we you're, there's no way in this spirit dead age that you're not going to look like don quixote a little bit so i don't um you got to flip this a little bit in my estimation it it, it Don't think of it so much as a pejorative. Think about it as somebody who fearlessly will step forward trusting in the providence of God's plan for you. That's going to look different for you than it will be the next person in some respects. In some respects, it's going to the exact same thing is asked of all of us, no matter high born or low born we are. But we we need more Don Quixote. We need somebody going out there and saying there is a different way, and I don't think the the, the context with which that character was born out in, in his own place and time, I um I think is not well understood.
2: Similar to what I you're, you're you're making an excellent point. Similar to what I've said about the Puritans in the past. Yes. That, doesn't, that doesn't mean, by the way, I endorse everything that that they That's were exactly about. Exactly right. But but this idea now that that we are going to completely disown them. Yeah. when they are foundational to our own legacy as a people so they have nothing to offer us at all except for the freaking country they founded or not for before us okay is ridiculous Perfect. okay
1: i'm glad it, it and this is exactly what when these this and going back to my rant last week but the, the very first avengers movie when um forgive me the 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 guy his um assistant, Samuel Jackson's assistant, who ends up dying in that movie. But when they're talking about the uh Captain American trading cards and he says we could use a little bit more old fashioned. That's exactly yeah. what he was talking. We yeah. could use a little bit more nice puritanical. Yeah. We could use a little bit more chivalry. Yeah. Yeah. We could use a little bit more Don Quixote. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean I, I What's the you, agent's name? I've The character's name, I'm so people I know, know who what you're I'm talking, talking about. about. I what was that, Aaron? He's the assistant of Samuel Jackson. Yeah, it's. Jackson. I, can't, I I know who you're talking. Yeah, about, I know
2: exactly. you're talking about. You're t- Maria.
1: No, not the woman. The guy uh. who gets killed by Loki. Oh, uh. oh, you're. T- oh, uh, he had his own show. Yeah, Agents the guy of from Shield. Agents of Shield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, his name
2: escapes me, but yeah. I hear but you. it's an
1: important point. We could use a little bit. We have to go back.
2: That's really well said. I'll li- limit. You know what? I'm just let that leave that. Agent leave Coulson. Coulson. Phil Coulson. Thank, Coulson. You. Thank, Phil Coulson. Thank yes. you, Aaron. Yeah. Very well said, Todd. I'll just leave it there.
3: And now for some whiplash. Nathan Murs says, are you with me that all the team is dealt with? Kirk Ferentz of the Iowa Hawkeyes should be the national coach of the year in college football.
2: I mean, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, keep in mind a lot of what he's dealt with is that he kept retaining his son to be an awful offensive coordinator. That's not everything he's dealt with. They've had and to to go nine and two, and you lose your starting quarterback, you lose your starting tailback, you lose your top, what is it? Aaron top three tight
3: ends. Top, yeah, top two, top three tight ends. I mean, that's, best player, one of the best players in the entire. And then conference. They, they just
2: lose a lot, losing Keith Cooper DeGene, who is who is is absolutely one of the top two or three at the worst overall players in the league. <laughs> absolutely, it's a so I, I have no problem with it at all whatsoever. I don't. my, my, my vote would go to the Northwestern coach. Um, just simply for a couple of reasons. One, um, I mean, it's been a long time since I've had a meaningful conversation with Kirk Ferrets, but I've known the man for over 20 years. I've seen him do stuff like this before. It's kind of what he does. But number two, I, I've just never seen anybody walk into a more difficult single season situation and perform like David Braun has done. Never Save been in the ahead. program. Yeah, ne- literally, literally deal. saved it. I mean, it was they were one and eleven last year? They just had, had a ridiculous scandal. Fired the greatest coach that schools had since Amos Alonzo Stagg. Yeah, that guy from a hundred years ago. Okay, and a, a, an incredibly divisive situation and lawsuit. Guys jumping in the transfer portal. They were already picked last before they were they were last in every preseason poll before this even this this situation began. He gets thrown into this job a week, like a week before Big Ten media days. The players don't want to come because they don't want to answer questions. He goes by himself. Did I mention he's never been a coach before? Head he, coach, yeah. yeah he uh, that's what I meant. Yeah, sorry. Uh, he also has had to go to a backup quarterback and everything else. To get that team to a bowl game, it, it, it could very well be the greatest single-season coaching job I have ever seen in the Big Ten.
1: Well, what's the... The commonality between both of these stories, Iowa and Northwestern. You're going to point
2: out the division that each of them are in, and they get away. The
1: Big Ten sucks. But I will say, when I flipped the channel over on these last two Saturdays, I've just had more chance to watch. When I saw that the score of that Iowa game was two to nothing. If they could have made that score last till the end, I said (laughs) make Iowa the national champions of all of football right then. Forget because that would have been the greatest physical manifestation of a team if they could have won a game two to nothing. It would have been epic. Everybody should just get out of the way. We can't do better. (laughs) I dare you to do better. Iowa wins two nothing. That would have been outstanding. That being said, I don't have a problem if you want to vote for Kirk.
3: Iowa fan and I, I, I'm still with Braun. I think the. I think the the gap is probably closer than I had previously considered, but it's a really big freaking deal when there were a lot of voices, myself included, who thought they wouldn't win a game, who thought that this would be maybe the first casualty of uh, new conferences looking around and saying, hey, Northwestern, what you doing for us? Uh, Get the heck out of here. There are several. Yeah, I think he saved that program. I agree. At least for the foreseeable future.
2: There are several good jobs this year. Jerry Kill. Yeah. I mean, they just beat Auburn.
3: 31 to 10, I think. and yeah,
2: they got paid $1.85 million to go down there and kill Auburn for an afternoon. New Mexico State has its most wins since 1960. You look at the job yes. Kalen DeBoer has done at Washington, he's now 8-0 against ranked teams as the head coach uh, at the, there with the Huskies. I mean, there, there, are, there are numerous really good uh, coaching jobs. How about the, the job Jeff Braum has done at his alma mater at Louisville? Um, and there, there's, a, there's a lot of really good jobs this year and there is every year and then there's a lot of very disappointing
3: jobs too all right you want a serious question you or bet. not so serious one to, be, to, to end with we've got less than a minute here so right, not so do, serious let's do
2: not so serious
3: Steve Graham says have you ever wondered where all the Palestinian flags came from on such a short notice of a protest maybe Target oh dude that's a
1: good <laughs> yeah. question that ask is, me anything
2: that is a that's a very good question he gets it he does he does any final thoughts for out of here, gentlemen?
1: Well, I don't know. Did I? You did okay. Did I live up to whatever standard was embodied? There's no embodied standard. I, in, in, in the, I just there's no competition. There, there, Anna just has yeah. a, Your it. Your butt it, does no, not I don't, look it, big, She didn't Todd. bring up... I didn't even think about Anna until you brought it up, but, like, what was... Uh, it, there seemed to be, like, a pretty... I thought I was living up to the ask-me-anything-ness. Anything, yeah. yeah, so... I mean, I if I had a problem with it, I wouldn't have you keep doing it. So you're good. Go oh, on. I wasn't worried. I was curious. Okay. We're
2: going to stick around and do overtime for Blaze TV subscribers for the rest of you. See you tomorrow.
1: This is Steve Dace.
4: On the Blaze Radio Network.